international speaker, American Ninja Warrior, award-winning performer, world record holder, U.S. Lacrosse Coach of the Year, Alex Weber. Hey, this is the Alex Weber Podcast, and I'm Alex Weber. This is all about leading ourselves past our fears, our failures, and our challenges so you can reach success, whatever that looks like to you. And I bring on amazing people who have all reached incredible success. And I hope that if we open up about our fears, our failures, our challenges, it can support you to be successful in reaching your goals. This is the Alex Weber Podcast. Hey, hey, welcome back for another episode of the Alex Weber Podcast. I am Alex Weber, and I am truly and deeply fired up for the guest today. Uh, I've admired this guy since I met him as both an athlete and just a human being. Uh, He's got just such a big heart and so many talents. I'm talking about Najee Richardson. Najee is an American Ninja Warrior finalist multi-time. He's one of the best in the game. He's also a phenomenal actor. He's been on hit TV shows and he's going to open up about how he was on track for Olympic gymnastics before some rough injuries derailed him and really put him through the emotional ringer, a loss of identity and purpose and fulfillment that Really, he had to go through some dark chapters in order to get to all of the awesomeness he's doing. American Ninja Warrior being one of the biggest stars in the game, being an actor on TV, also one of the most notable personalities in Ninjas for Black Lives, doing such incredible work in the world today. He's just such an awesome guy. I learn from him. I admire him. I love this guy. So fired up to have Najee Richardson on the podcast, and we're going to hop in right now. Oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Oh, there we go. Okay, I see why. Uh, well, man, I appreciate it so much. So, yeah, I'll give you a little background on what this is and why I wanted okay. to talk with you. So, I've had this just, like, idea in my head the last, like, couple of years of I've wanted to do this and just because I'd, like, basically carve out time to connect with people that I really admire. And what this is all about is – People who followed their heart, gone after big goals, and had to bounce back from whether that's overcoming obstacles or fears or failures, but just sharing our stories, having some fun with it, and ultimately letting people in to, to your journey. Dude, absolutely. Thank you for having me on, man. That, that means a lot, dude. Coming from you, you inspire me so much. So that means a lot coming from you, bro. Oh, that means a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a man of many talents. You really are. And it's one where, you know, we're going to dive into gymnastics as well. But most immediately, I mean, American Ninja Warrior is yeah. you're a stud. That's my home now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and also, though, acting and performing. Yeah. Has those both goal. been goals to get in there, man? Yeah. Is is it, when you're now fired up about your goals, is it both of them together? So Ninja Warrior, admittedly, I wouldn't say has taken a back seat, but I would say that I'm much more focused now on my goal of breaking into the industry of acting and becoming a performing artist in that way. So Ninja has been more of my therapy now instead of like cool. my sport, something that I'm like, fighting so hard to make it to the top of the mountain. Now 
I'm using Ninja Warrior as a kind of an escape from, you know, when I get frustrated with acting, when things just aren't working out the way I want to. Now I go to Ninja, I'm like, oh, I just need to like work out this frustration that I have. And it's become really my therapy now. So I wouldn't say Ninja isn't my goal anymore, but it's definitely, it's just a different kind of goal now. That's so cool. And I want to kind of, I love what you said there, but I want to, I want to unpack that because I think it might be tempting for someone to hear that and to think, yeah. oh, he's not training or he's not as committed when he's in the gym, but that's not the case at all. That's not the case. Right. I, I think it's more of like, if I'm hearing correctly, it's like, you've also risen and committed yourself to the point where like, it's almost just how you do. It's like how you operate. Yeah. And so now yeah. it could be an escape. Yeah, exactly. That's literally exactly what it is. I remember, because when I first got into Ninja, for me, it was like, this was my, my rebirth from gymnastics, yeah. you know, from failing in gymnastics. That's where the Phoenix came from. So after a while, I felt like I had come full circle with Ninja. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm happy. Like, this is, I've come full circle. Like, I've, I, I think I learned what I needed to learn from gymnastics not working out. And now that Ninja has given me that, I just, you know, I'm okay with focusing my attention on some of these other goals that I've wanted since I was a kid. And Ninja allows me to do that because it's something that I love to do. It's my passion, just movement and staying in shape and being acrobatic. Ninja allows me to have that. So I'm able to push myself in Ninja where it's like, what's my body capable of? Like, what am I, what am I truly capable of? What can my body do? And Ninja gives me that escape to focus on those goals, even though it might not necessarily be the competition side of it anymore, because I've come full circle with that. And I've, I think for me, internally, I've kind of achieved that goal, which was, you know, kind of get back what I lost in gymnastics, yeah. what I felt like I was robbed from in gymnastics. And I got that in Ninja. So now it's like, okay, now I can just focus all my attention on what's my body truly capable of. And so that's where my goals in Ninja lie now. And then I'm able to focus my attention as far as like pursuing something that's acting now for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I get what you're saying of in different ways in my own life. I've felt that too of like, you just needed to do it. You needed to exactly. like yeah. get it done, show yourself kind of, prove it as much to yourself as anybody else. Yeah. And you have, man, it's, uh, yeah. and as you casually, which is something I always just respect and appreciate about you is like, as you humbly say, like push your body, like <laughs> world record holder. I mean, how long was Lachey? 17 and a half feet. And I'm working now on pushing <laughs> another half a foot. Cause I want that 18. I want 18. So I'm pushing for 18 right now. Dude, that's, gosh, that's, that's so far. <laughs> like, there's so many thoughts I want to say. I mean, I, I, you know, Lachey, for anyone who doesn't know, is basically swinging from a bar, leaping from that bar and catching another one. But like classic far Lachey's are like eight feet. Like maybe someone will bust out a 10 and you're like, dang, that's 10. Yeah. <laughs> 17 and a half man <laughs> like that's literal flying yeah dude that was uh, that's I feel like from the time I got into ninja that was like all I wanted to learn we're just swinging from the bars like in gymnastics yeah. it's the closest thing that we have in gymnastics to compare to in ninja is swinging on bars you know so 
I was like, I just want to be really good at this. I want to be really good at lacheing and throwing myself and having the yeah. best air awareness that you can have in Ninja Warrior. So that was what I tried to model like my style from just flying through the air and having the technique to kind of back up that claim. There's, there's so many other things and I have like a little notes doc of things that I want to ask you about, but I do want to geek out on this and like go in the weeds because it's something where every sport I've ever played, my feet were on the ground. Like yeah. I've gotten to a high level in lacrosse, but feet are on the ground. So feet like ground. <laughs> just doing like the laches that again, like I'm at that like eight foot and I'm like, let's go. But that yeah. was so cool because it was something that I never even imagined that I could do. But why yeah. I, I also geek out so hard and the fact that you did 17 is like, I have so much respect on those micro details of like, your hands have to be at a place your shoulder muscles have to be at a place. Like there has to be so many small things that you've built up so that your body yeah. can handle a 17 foot leap. Yeah. And you know what? That's, it's so funny that you mentioned that because people ask me all the time. They're like, how do your shoulders stay intact when you're doing that? And honestly, like people don't know after I did that 17 and a half foot lache, I had to take about two and a half weeks off wow. just because my shoulders were that damaged. Like the, body the amount of yeah. impact and the amount of force and the amount of torque that you're applying all at one time within this like just this much space because you're only in the air for what like a couple of seconds at a time so well you were up there for like 30 minutes yeah <laughs> it's so much force dude it's so you have to generate the force but then you have to be able to absorb the force too. Mm -hmm. So just as much force and just as much torque as you got to get off the bar, you have to now be able to absorb on the bars too. And the body does not like that at all. Dude, whenever I go for these big lachets, I usually take about a week. But for that one, it, I had to take about two and a half weeks off. Wow, man. My and, shoulders and were wrecked. There's, there is like so many, and I remember you posted a video of you like training on like scaffolding in, in, in the city and like yeah. one of those, cause where my mind goes with it is like, in order to accomplish what Najee accomplished here, like you have, you're not only reaching 17 feet, like correct me if I'm wrong, but like your body could technically go further because you can't just like extend and grab cause you'll peel out and like yeah. have a bonkers landing. But anyways, that one you posted in the city, like you sent it. And like something happened or you slipped off, but like, yeah, got your, you know, Just instinct, yeah, instinct kicks in. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to ask you this because I have a hunch about this, but I want to, I want to just ask you what goes through your head before a big moment. So that big moment might be, all right, I'm going to send this for this world record. That big moment might be running Ninja Warrior. That big moment might be performing or auditioning and acting. Mm. Yeah. But what goes through your head before that? I'm really just thinking about the training and all the prep that led up to it. So for me, you know, gymnastics was very visual. So everything that you did, you visualize your routine like over and over and over again. And then in gymnastics, we practice our routines. Unlike Ninja, we practice the routine that we're going to compete all year long. So by the time we get to the competition floor, honestly it should be like we should know it like the back of our hand mm -hmm. it really should we should really be able to do a routine in our sleep that's the whole point is to be as perfect as possible and in ninja we don't have that we don't have that that luxury of being able to practice the course the exact yeah. course that we're going to do so the way that i try to cheat that is 
I will go into the gym and I'll just practice like the most obscene like movements that I possibly can, like things that probably no one will ever see on a course. So that way, when I get to the course, it's like, okay, you know what? I've done something like that before in the gym. Let me try and visualize it in my mind to see how this is going to work out. How is this going to play out? And I literally just lay on the ground in the back for a good 30 minutes and visualize the routine or the, the course the way I want to run it over and over and over and over and over again. I just try and do that. So a lot of ninjas, and I actually, I have so much respect for, you know, some of these guys out here like Michael Torres or even Joe Morowski. A lot of these guys, they just, they go off instinct. I can't do that. <laughs> like I'm not able to just go off my instincts. I have to like visualize exactly what I want to do and how I want to do it. So that way it seems like I've done it a thousand times already even if I haven't but just visualizing and seeing exactly how I want to do something and doing that over and over and over again by the time it gets to you know that point of me running the course or doing this big skill or going on this audition in my mind I've already done it over and over and over again and it feels like I know it like the back of my hand so it's just a little bit of like mind trickery that I like to play on myself it's beautiful man I mean that's it's in what I love about that so much. I mean, that's, that's discipline, right? Cause yeah. as athletes, we want to go run around. We want to go climb stuff. We want to go do stuff, but that's yeah. really like discipline to sit there and just like visualize it. Yeah. Just, I literally just, I'll take a spot and I just like hone in, man. Like I'll just, I'll get super centered and I'll just, it's almost like tunnel vision. I just see yeah. exactly what I want to do. And I just play that in my head over and over and over again. And Ninja, it's not, it's probably not like the greatest technique to have, especially on a speed course when you just need to just go and just feel it out. But for me, it works because in Ninja Warrior, it's always about, unless it's Ninja versus Ninja, but in Ninja Warrior, it's about hitting the buzzer first. If you sure. can hit the buzzer, you can guarantee that you're going to move on right. almost all the time. So that's just my approach. That's my strategy. How do I get to the buzzer? You know, and what's the yeah. best and safest way of doing that? Absolutely. I mean, science shows that our brains can't tell the difference between if we're actually doing it or if we're doing that mental run, it still fires the yeah. same body muscles. Exactly. So that's, that's awesome, man. And it's, it's something where here we'll hold for hope everyone's all right. Oh, it's, just, it's the same thing here in Philly. Uh, I was talking about the, the AirPods. And, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're not going to be interrupted that's by a, the siren. I got to upgrade. <laughs> I got to upgrade. The, well, I want to go into, because I learned more about I knew some of your gymnastics background, but you know, if you're cool with it, I'd, I'd love to dive into yeah to those moments. Cause I have some questions about it, but I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit more of your journey with gymnastics and also that chapter between gymnastics and Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. No dude. Gymnastics was my life from the time. How old was I? I guess I started. So my parents put me in gymnastics classes, not on a team, but they just put me in classes when I was 10 years old. And that was because at first I was a martial artist. So I was in karate. I did judo. Mm -hmm. My parents put me in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I, I did martial arts as a kid, but my the coaches there couldn't stop me from just rolling around on the mats and flipping <laughs> and trying to do all the moves I saw in the Jackie Chan movie. So they were yeah. like, no, this is not Jackie Chan movie. You're learning discipline. And they couldn't get me to stop. So one of my coaches eventually went to my parents and were like, I think he'd do better in gymnastics. And it worked out because my dad, he was a gymnast in high school. So he was like, all right, maybe he's just kind of taken after me. Yeah. So they found a little 
rec center in Philadelphia where one of my dad's old teammates from when he was in high school was coaching. So uh, they put me in his class for a little bit. And eventually that guy was like, look, he needs to be competing like this. He's way too good. So (laughs) when I was 12 years old, uh, my parents signed me up for this gymnastics team at Temple University. They were having a boys, um, a junior Olympic team at the time. They were putting together a junior Olympic team and I had no experience, but they were like, yeah, like he's got a lot of potential. Like let's, let's see what he can do. And within the first year I had jumped up from what usually would take a gymnast about three or four years to do. I had gone from complete and total novice rate basically to pretty much like a top level gymnast within a year. So I was competing level 10 after my second and level 10 is the top level in gymnastics outside of elite and collegiate. So I went from level 10 from the time that I started. It took me about Jeez. two years to, to reach the top Jeez. level in gymnastics. Yeah. So that, that happened. And then I got super, super serious about it. It took up just about yeah my entire life at that time. I was homeschooled, <laughs> you know, didn't have a normal childhood, but, but I, didn't, I didn't want that. I was so dedicated to gymnastics and just being the best gymnast that I could possibly be. And then by the time I turned 16 and 17, that's when, you know, the Olympics were coming around and it was like, all right, like might have like a real shot at, you know, doing this. Like, you know, why, like, why not? Let's, let's really work for it. And I got hurt. I tore my lateral meniscus and took some time off, you know, was flirting with the idea of getting, uh, knee surgery and then I realized I didn't need it after talking you know getting opinions I was like all right I'm just gonna let it heal on its own and I'll just build up my legs and hopefully you know it won't affect me too much and then when I turned 18 or 19 18 or 19 I think I was I think I was 18 though I tore my lateral meniscus on the other knee <laughs> so uh, at that point I was working on two bum knees and yeah it just took some time I was like you know what does this mean? Like, why is this happening? Like I've dedicated my entire life to this sport, like my entire childhood. I didn't have a childhood because of how much dedication Mm -hmm. I put into gymnastics. Like, why is this happening? Like, this just doesn't seem fair. So I started working with some therapists, physical therapists, and they got me back in shape. And then around the time of the 2012 Olympics, so this was about 2011, 2010, 2011. I was like, all right, let's give this another shot. You know, let's, Let's really put our all into this. And I'm 20 years old at this time. And I had Miles Avery helping me. Like I was training with Miles Avery. He, you know, he trained Paul Hom and he took him to the Olympics, Paul and Morgan Hom in Ohio State. So I was training with Miles for a little bit and I felt good. I was like, okay, like we can do this. Like this is, this is prospect. I can, I can, I can do this again. And then I got hurt again. Yeah. <laughs> I got hurt again. ACL started bothering me. I, we saw a lot of like, Um, issues in that area and I was like you know what like this is not worth it like I feel like I'm getting hurt every single year now like my body was giving out on me I was doing a lot of high level skills on the vault and the floor so my legs were just getting just beat up just getting completely shredded and yeah at 21 years old I had to retire from a sport at 21 years old and I was like you know what like this sucks like what now but basically that's my gymnastics story I went from just a martial artist who could stop rolling around on the ground as a kid and parents put me in gymnastics and it was just full force from 10 years old till I was 21. 
there's a lot to dive in, man. There's a uh, lot. There's a lot. I resonate so much with being a kid and having a dream. For me, it was lacrosse. But to not be able to engage in your dream because of something that happened physically is heartbreaking. And Do you feel robbed? Yeah. Yeah. You feel robbed. You literally do. So now you... And I'll share something on this of, of this year in my own journey, but I want to go into your story of, so now you come back I mean, you're 21 years old, you've sacrificed so much. This is the dream. Yeah. And then you, as you said, you feel robbed. And when you said yeah. therapist and you, you, you quickly said physical therapist, but also like if that were a emotional or mental therapist, beautiful, because that yeah. is a traumatic, traumatic experience. And so I'm curious how were those years at 21 where you had this identity, you had this purpose, you had this calling, all of you was in it, hard stop. It got robbed away from you. How were those moments following that? For the next two years, they were very dark for me. They were very, very dark because like you said, it was gymnastics was my identity. You know, I, all of my, all of the, the biggest life lessons that I got from the age of 10 to 21, you know, I went, I, I grew up in gymnastics. So all of those life lessons that I learned in gymnastics, every very significant thing I can remember of my childhood or big lesson learned or, you know, something going through puberty and having like, you know, teenage boy thoughts and, and all of these things, teenage years, all of those revolved around gymnastics because I was homeschooled. I didn't go to high school. Mm. I, I went to, I did, I did, I went, to high school for half a year in my freshman year and then I was I was homeschooled so all of those childhood memories that I have and those like teenage years and all of those things all revolve around gymnastics so that was my identity gymnastics was my identity that's who Naj, Najee Richardson was he was a gymnast mm -hmm. going out for the Olympics and then all of a sudden it just comes to a hard stop like nope just kidding like you don't get, you're not going to get any of those things that have to do with gymnastics anymore. All of a sudden now it's like, well, who are you now? Like what, like, what was the point of, of all of this? Like, why did I go through all of these things if none of it was going to mean anything? You know, I was supposed to have this big grand plan of, you know, going to the Olympics or at the very least just continuing in gymnastics competitions for at least another five or six years, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, who knows? But now it's just like, no, like you don't get any of these things anymore. So I went through a really big identity crisis where for the first, at least the first year after coming out of gymnastics, I was just angry. I was just angry and I was just frustrated because I, I didn't have any direction at that point. I think that was one of the coolest things about gymnastics was I had so much direction, especially at such a young age. Like I had so much direction. I had a, a purpose. I had focus and then I just had none of it anymore had none of that so I didn't really know what to do and I just felt very very lost I remember at times I was just like searching for things to just grab my attention whether it was going back into martial arts which actually helped a lot I got pretty involved in, in mixed martial arts again and started doing sparring part I was a sparring partner for a lot of MMA fighters when I was 22 yeah. and that was really cool but yeah, I, I just, I didn't know what, what to do. I, I was, every day it was like trying to figure out who Najee Richardson is. And there were times where I just got so fed up where I was just like, 
I don't even feel like getting out of bed today. I'm just going to just lay here and just let the day go by, you know. But then Ninja Warrior popped up on TV and it was like, all right, let's give this a shot. <laughs> so awesome. It's yeah. so awesome, man. And it's, it's a gift. It, it, it really yeah. is. It's something where, first off, I mean, that moment of, I have a lot of empathy for that moment that you went mm. through of, of having it robbed of yourself and just so much I want to say on it, but it's, it's, it's frustration. It's anger. It's also like, I know what it feels like. Just feel like disengaged. Like yeah. what matters anymore? Yeah. What matters? Exactly. Yeah. And those were, those were some of the, like the hardest days for me because I would just be at home. Just like, what am I doing? Like why, like, like, what is my purpose anymore? Like, I don't feel like I have a purpose. Like, and that's, I feel like that's one of the hardest things to explain to people. It's like when you really feel like you just have no purpose, when you just are almost, and it's like, it it sounds harsh, harsh to say, but in the moment, it's almost like you just feel like a waste. Like your whole whole just existence almost feels like a waste at the time because it's like, you thought you had this idea of how things were going to go and you, you planned all of these things and they took years and years and years upon building. And I don't think anyone who isn't dedicated to a sport or dedicated to, to something can understand how devastating it is to spend for me, which what was 11 years of my life to a goal and then no warning, yeah. no nothing. It's like, gone just just gone like almost like it never existed it's like how do you how do you sum all of that up into like okay well what's my purpose now you know what I mean like how do you how do you transition from that especially at a young age I feel like if it happened now I would know what to do you know if it happened now I'd be able to help myself out of it but when you're just 21 years old it's like who am I? Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Like, I thought this was why I was on earth, but like, yeah. why am I here now? You know? So it's hard to explain that, man. It's so hard. When did you feel like you finished the job? Like oh, you, you, you got to Ninja Warrior, but when did you feel like, ah, oh, like I've done it. I've done what I feel like I got robbed of. When I was asked to be a mentor on Ninja Warrior Junior, that was when I finished the job. Yeah, great answer. Finished the job because I remember like it was yesterday meeting Blaine Wilson. I remember like it were yesterday meeting Paul Hahn. You know what I mean? And even even when I was older in, in my older years, I wanted to be just like Jonathan Horton watching his high bar routines I was like oh my god like this guy like I was <laughs> I was in love with these with these dudes and That's I remember cool. I remember the moment I met every single one of them and now it was like here's this new sport because Ninja Warrior is a sport and these kids that are coming up in Ninja Warrior this is their sport now you know for a lot of us a lot of us adults who found Ninja Warrior later on in life Ninja Warrior has been more recreational to you know other parts of our life but Ninja Warrior to the kids coming up now this is their life and this is their sport and they are some of these kids are me you know growing up in gymnastics some of these kids are me and now it's like hey I'm getting like 
cards from kids like, I can't wait to meet you one day. And then all of a sudden, I'm their mentor on Ninja Warrior Junior. It felt like I had come full circle. And I had realized, I had realized everything that I was working for in gymnastics at the time, which was just to be the, the very best gymnast that I could possibly be that hopefully would inspire other people. And even though Ninja wasn't the first love, now I'm helping other you know, little young athletes hopefully find their full circle later on in life. And for me, that was when I realized I had finished the job. When I got asked and I was on that set for the first time, it was like, holy crap. I am Jonathan Horton now to these kids. I am, you know, Blaine Wilson yeah. and Paul Hamm and Morgan Hamm. Like I am, I am that to these kids. So Let's that was go. when I realized. Yeah, that was when I realized. I was like, I did the job. I did what I set out to do. So cool, man. I love that. I love it. Well, we're just going to go for a, a few more minutes here. And I appreciate you sharing your, your Friday evening, your East Coast yeah, yeah, evening. Yeah. The... But I want to talk to you also about Ninjas for Black Lives, because this is something yeah. where you've been so not only passionate, of course, but in the forefront. And it's, it's massively, inarguably vital and crucial. And I just want to hear more from you and also how people, what you would say to someone whose heart's in the right place, but maybe doesn't know quite just to get in. And, and it's something where I've honestly had to go to some of my black friends. One, one was a guy that I lived with. I was a roommate with him. And I, I just went to him the other day and I was like, I got to apologize to you for never like asking more about your life, man. Like yeah. you would say some things sometimes and I wouldn't dig deeper on it. And I really should have. So my question to you is, what would you say to someone whose heart is in the right place, but maybe for better or worse needs that nudge? I would just say to someone, just be open to having a conversation because that's really where it starts. It starts with conversations. You know what I mean? I've had, I've lost friends, unfortunately, since, you know, everything has happened in the country at the start, you know, of, because for me, the big thing was Ahmaud Aubrey because when I, when I saw that video of Ahmaud Aubrey, I saw myself. I saw a kid who, was just going about his day-to-day -day doing something that fills him with happiness. And then all of a sudden he's gone because there were a group of people who were, who had so much hate in their heart that they would want to rob him of his life simply because of how he looked. He wasn't doing anything wrong other than doing something that made him happy, which was jogging. I can't tell you how many times I'm just climbing something because that makes me happy or I'm out in the park just flipping around because like yeah. I like flying through the air or yeah. jump or like in New York, jumping up on the scaffolding and swinging. So when yeah. I saw that video of, of Amal Aubrey, it hit me different because, you know, he's around my age. He, you know, he looks like me, you know, he, he looks like me. I could have, I could have been on a Ninja Warrior trip. You know, I, mm -hmm. I could have been at a competition at an NNL comp and decided to jog down the street that day. And I could have come in contact with those people. So that hit me different. And when I saw that, it just, I felt such a calling or, or just, it, it felt like I, I had to do something. I had to use my, my platform, my voice to do something, you know, even if I reached just one person. So since the start of like everything that has happened, I've lost a lot. Of, I've lost 
a decent amount of friends, but I've also gained a lot of new friends and I've gained a lot of my relationships with some of my friends have gotten even stronger because of everything that's happened and friends that I may have been estranged from. We now talk all the time because of everything that's happened. And I would, so I would say to anyone who is struggling, whose heart is in the good, in in the right place, but just need a a little bit of a nudge. Some of these people were my friends and they were open to having a conversation with me about why I was feeling the way I was feeling and what it was that was putting me in so much pain and, and, and putting me in a place of activism and uh, good trouble. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. my friends were open to having a conversation with me about it. And I think there are some people who are so hell bent on protecting their own comfortability of, you know, whatever it is, or just their own understanding of the things that they've been taught their entire lives and trying to protect that, that they're not willing to have those conversations. It's really, really hard for people to humanize something they've been taught to hate their entire life or something they've been taught to disagree with their entire life. It's really hard for people to humanize that. Uh, because then you're forced to confront your own demons. So I would tell people just to be willing to have a conversation and be open to the fact that maybe some of the things that you've been taught or maybe some of the things that you've been taught to believe maybe wasn't the right thing. And I think that's all of us. I've, I've, I've had to go through that in other situations with some of my friends growing up, uh, learning about their lives and the things that they're into one thing, and I've, I've had a conversation with this with one of, my, one of my friends in gymnastics, you know, with the LGBTQ community. That was something I didn't understand, you know, growing up. I grew up in a very macho kind of household. So there were things that, was, that might have been insensitive that I may have said or joked about. And then after having a conversation with a friend, finding out where he was with it, I, it opened my mind and it opened my heart to seeing that some of the things that I've been taught was wrong and, and and I needed to change that way of thinking. So it's just about conversations and being open to hear people's stories and understand why they feel the way they feel about things. And that goes both ways. You know, I, I have to be willing to have a conversation with a friend who doesn't get the whole Black Lives Matter movement. I have to be willing to listen to, to their story and why they feel that way. And then they have to be willing to listen to my story and hear why it means something to me. So when we're able to all come together and have these conversations and learn from each other, I think that's the best way of going about it to create real change. That's just what I would say to someone whose heart's in the right place. Just be willing to have that conversation. That's beautiful, brother. That's beautiful. I appreciate it, man. And yeah. I've learned I've learned from you tonight. I truly, I, I admire you. I always have since we first met and it's just been a deep honor to to get to know you and, and follow your journey. And I, I Thank you, brother. appreciate your time, man. Thank you, man. Awesome. Awesome. Anaji, lots of love to you, man. And Dude, uh, always. <laughs> you're the man. You're the man. Thanks for checking out the podcast. I hope it supports you. I hope it can give you some tools and, and some, some, some tools in your tool belt to put to work in supporting yourself to all the goals that you want because, listen, there's going to be tough times. We all know that. 
And as Najee said, it's it's using those times to support yourself and your goals and to keep going. And he's just such a shining light. The Flying Phoenix. Make sure to follow Najee Richards in the Flying Phoenix on Instagram. He's an amazing, amazing guy. We want to hear from you. Leave us a review if this connected with you and share with a friend who you think it can support. This is what fires us up is supporting you. So I want to hear from you and thank you so much for being here, for listening to the Alex Moore Podcast, and we will see you next time.